Episode 60 of Friday Night Counter-Attack. Oh, we're back again. I'm looking forward to this one. This one's going to be quite a fun one to discuss, especially after the uh, Man United versus Aston Villa game on the weekend as well. So we've got Salim back again and we've got Amma uh, back again as well. So basically three of us are part of a, an, uh, an old friendship group from years gone by. So it's good to have us all back on the podcast again. Amma, good to see you. How you been? You okay? Yeah, I've not been too bad. Just... New Year, same sort of thing. Just New Year, same United, really. Um, I'm sure we'll, like we'll get onto that. And I'm yeah. sure someone has something to say. Now, we'll start with Aston Villa with Salem as well, because we were speaking last week about how Coutinho would be the one to come in and kind of compose their midfield and Luca Dino would be an added um, attacking bonus on their left-hand side. And I think Salem, I think we were right once again, weren't we? And how you been this week, Salem? Everything Okay. Yeah, good. Um, I went to the game on um, Saturday, actually, the United game. So, mm. yeah, I actually did quite enjoy it. I thought 2-0 down, I was like, oh, after all that talk and everything. But no, the boys bounced back. I thought we were the better team, I think. You know, two errors gave you guys two goals. And um, yeah, after that, we bounced back. Coutinho, what a signing. You know, we spoke about it on the pod- podcast, actually, as well, at the time. And yeah, he honestly came and... He came on literally as United scored the second goal, but, you know, he didn't phase him at all. So, yeah. No, it's good to hear as well. And even with Coutinho coming in, there's that link of Luis Suarez potentially coming in again and Steven Gerrard actually looking to uh, bring the band back together from 2013-14. What do you think about that? Um, do you reckon that will happen? Um, I think it will. I, I genuinely think it will because uh, that sort of bond that they built when they were at Liverpool back then under Brendan under Rodgers was just honestly that those two just absolutely tearing up defences to shock it honestly when Coutinho signed and seeing the performance against United in the FA Cup I thought you know Villa could easily beat this team if they had someone like Coutinho and you know unfortunately it's just one of those things okay it wasn't a a win but it kind of felt like a loss for United fans yeah Um, Especially the fact that Coutinho's came on literally just tapped the ball into the back of the net. Shambolic. Shambolic. And there's that picture of Rafa around looking back at him thinking, hold on, when did he come to Aston Villa? Yeah. <laughs> just, that <laughs> movie was quite funny. Yeah. Salim, how do you find it being back in the crowd at Aston Villa um, this side of the year as well? Because it must have been a bit more, um, I'd say, more ambitious from the crowd if you were imagining it. Because when you go to an Aston Villa game, you would, normally wouldn't have that kind of um, aspects in the crowd of thinking oh you know what Otuno down but someone comes on who lifts the whole crowd up the whole place up that must have been something special to be part of that before um, you end up draw, drawing 2-2 um, to yeah nine. I think like even sort of the first 20 minutes we, we didn't play at all but after that we were like you know the better team anyway in the game and we did think it'd be harsh if we came away from no, with, with nothing and then in the end we got uh, and it, as soon as he scored that second goal again like from you know they were both mistakes at the end of the day like gifts and it was sort of starting to feel like, will it be our day or not kind of thing? Like, how like how, how are they going to beat us kind of thing? And, you know, and then obviously the substitution happened and the rest is history. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like, um, what's the word? Like, I'd say good feeling, positivity in the air that, you know, that we can probably go out and beat anyone now. Uh, we already had like quite a good squad, but I'd say we have probably had one of the youngest squads in the league. And now we've sort of addressed that with a few good players like, um, obviously Luca Dean coming in he was really pos- positive I think he fits better into Gerard's style than Target did even though Target was sort of our player of the year last season 
So, um, yeah, so I think, yeah, it's positive stuff and we need to just keep keep going, to be honest. I think if we maybe, we just need a centre defensive mid and maybe a centre back as well. And we should be good in terms of Suarez. I think if anything was to happen, it'll happen in the summer. But mm. if, if it was to happen, you know, I wouldn't be against it. A lot of fans are saying, oh, we don't need him. We've got Ings and Watkins. But when you look at the level, you know, that he's played at and the things that he's won, you, you can't say no to somebody like that. Yeah, yeah, you always want someone like that caliber in your team just to sort of boost the morale of the whole squad. I think that's worked really well in, in Stephen Gerrard's favour, the fact that you've had such a young squad this season and bringing in experience from Luca Dina and bringing in experience from Coutinho as well. You're just there looking at it thinking, you know what, they've actually helped compose this, this team on the pitch because so hopefully they can do that for Salem's sake and for other Aston Villa fans' sake off the pitch as well in terms of they can actually benefit going up the table, having these players playing week in, week out for the rest of the season going forward in the Premier League as well. But you did mention, Salem, that you were looking at um, if you were to get someone in another centre-back. I know we mentioned last week that Swan Zabi going back out on loan to Napoli, yeah. but I just wanted to pick your brain on Esri Concert because I know you're a fan of him, obviously being an Aston Villa fan as well, but I wanted to talk more about um, his impact in this Aston Villa side since he's been in, since he's been signed by Dean Smith a couple of years ago. And do you think he, he will stay at Aston Villa for another couple of seasons or do you reckon there's a big move on the horizon for Ezri Konza? Uh I think since he moved into the first team, like we signed him from Brentford, it was about 9 to 12, 12 million, I think it was. And at the time, a lot of people did question the move because we just bought Engels, House and then Konza. So we signed like three centre-backs and Mings as well was another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at the time, it was a bit questioned and stuff like, oh, you know, are we sure? Like Engels wasn't that bad. And then, when Project Restart happened that season, uh, Concer came to the team initially playing right back. Um, but then he sort of came into playing centre-back. And since then, you know, every week he's dropped like a seven and a half out of ten minimum. I, you know, I couldn't tell you a bad game that he's had in over like two years, even like mistakes-wise as well. Probably he's that a- slip against West Brom when they ended up scoring. That's the only mistake I can think of. But when, you, when I put yeah. it like that, I don't mean it in a bad way. It's just the fact you actually can't think of a bad performance he puts in. It's kind of like Azpilicueta, Amma, wouldn't you say? Someone who's just consistently... The consistent, like, consistency. That's all. You, that's what you want from a player. You don't want someone who drops a, a 10 out of 10 masterclass, then next thing you know, he drops a, a 0 out of 10 the next game. Like, you'd rather have someone like uh, Azpilicueta, Conzo. Just, honestly, just looking at the way he's played. <laughs> just consistency. And you just, as a sort of a midfielder and, like, someone, like, playing with him, you know that sort of those two there are, like, a solid partnership. Uh, sort of go. I know you questioned more directly towards Salah because he's a Villa fan, but I don't think he'll move just yet because mm. I don't think many teams have noticed the like him because like, don't forget like Villa, you kind of got a bigger name next to him in Mings, so he sort of slipped under the radar in that respect. Like uh, John uh, McGinn uh, when Grealish was there, like he's like McGinn was a workhorse. I'm sure Salah agrees like to help Grealish become what he was, and then obviously ended up getting his move. Hmm. So it's, it, it, yeah, Kanza, I don't think he'll move in instantly, but he will move soon. Soon. Salim, what can we expect from Ezri Konza over the next year or so? Do you reckon he could actually make it into that 2022 World Cup squad for England or is that one step too far too early for him? No, I, I think, first, I don't think he'll move because I think he's obviously quite happy at Villa. Hmm. That's the first thing. I think everyone just has this thing like, oh, you know, players, like if they do well, then they have to leave. But... I think it's far from that. I think, you know, he's sort of, he's there, he's happy at the club. He knows he's performing well. I think he's been unlucky that Southgate hasn't picked him up. 
yet. But, you know, I don't even know if he will get a call-up for him. It's probably better if he just sort of declares allegiance to Portugal and gets called up for them. I was thinking that Conser and Diaz at the back for a number of years for Portugal would be a solid partnership for them, whoever their manager is. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like he's been wasted by not being played. But, you know, that's that's football at the end of the day. Like, you know, there'll be an opportunity for him somewhere else. Maybe, like, that's, you know, that, that's just how it is sometimes. But pff, overall, I think... I think he should stay at Villa. I think he could have, you know, a long tenure, tenure career with us. And if he keeps performing well, then, you know, I can't see why not. Yeah, 100%. It's good to see someone, again, because uh, we were talking about him last season as well, Sam, the, the fact that um, him not really getting dribbled past a lot last season, the fact that he's kind of continued that into this season, he had more clean sheets with Mings than Martinez last season as well, which shored up your defence. Um at the moment, that's something that Stephen Jordan needs to rectify properly so you don't keep leaking goals at the back. But that's still something I believe that um, Jared can fix with, with a team that he's got as well going forward. But yeah, I'd like to personally, I'd like to see Mings um, stay at Villa for another one or two seasons. But I do think he's got the capability of being another 40, 50 million pound centre back signing that we've seen over the last couple of years. You know, the likes of Ben White going somewhere or the likes of, um, unfortunately, Harry Maguire being an 80 million pound signing. Not that much, obviously. But we'll see that Aston Villa drive a hard bargain if he were to leave. But I don't think he's going to leave anytime soon. It's just, you know, that theory last season of Jack Grealish not really getting in that starting 11 because he was at Aston Villa. And then as soon as he leaves for Man City, he's in the starting 11 for England. Like, it didn't really make sense um, in that aspect for me. But I hope Gareth Southgate look past, looks past what he did last summer in terms of picking certain players from certain teams. Because I think Cons has got it in him to be a top class player um, going forward as well. Okay. See, I, like, I, I don't think that Grealish should be starting for England as well. Like, if you look at the sort of players that are playing better than him right now, like Jared Bowen and even Smith Rowe at one point, I just feel like Southgate's a bit unfair in his sort of team selection. Usually, like good players are not being called up. Like he, the first thing they said is I'd pick players up on form and not reputation, but he's pretty much like gone completely against that. Anyway, I think that's quite unfair. And um, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, it's changed his word on that kind of stuff. We'll see what happens in the March and um, in the March um, games that we have for England as well. Um, but yeah, moving on, I wanted to talk about a team that we don't really talk about much unless we're talking about Premier League games on the podcast. So uh, Everton have sacked Rafa Benitez after an abysmal start to their season. And a lot of Liverpool fans are literally really happy about this because it's been like a, a spy going into Everton, ruining their, ruining yeah. their, their flow playing without um, Luca Digne, selling him before he gets sacked as well, signing in uh, Mil- uh, Milenko, I think, from uh, Dinamo Kiev as well. I don't, don't quote me on that, but they're signing Milenko from somewhere. But realistically speaking, Marco Silva couldn't do a good job. Duncan Ferguson didn't really do a good interim job. Carlo Ancelotti couldn't even do a good job with this squad. What needs to change at Everton? And who's going to be the one to change it? There's talks of Frank Lampard, there's talks of Wayne Rooney, Roberto Martinez making a comeback. Um, I want to. I don't. I want to really go into this today, and I think this will be quite um, a deep conversation in terms of what's actually gone wrong at Everton because they're 16th in the league. They've had so many injuries this season, but they've spent so much money over the last four or five years under um, their new ownership and their new their new leadership, which hasn't gone well for them. They haven't really benefited since really Roberto Martinez left, unfortunately. Salim, let's start with you. What's gone wrong? In, what's what's the biggest thing for Everton that you've seen over the last couple of years? I feel like, I know the owners have back managers. I think they've signed the wrong players. That's the first thing. Like They, set, they spend like 34 million on like Cheng Tosun, for example, a couple of years back. And 
And then that was it, like 50 million on Sigurdsson as well. But I feel like it seems a bit like we, the man. We don't mention Gilfie on this podcast after, yeah. after <laughs> the al- allegedly, well, we're not going to talk about it, but yeah, and it's not still proven guilty. That's, yeah. that's how we'll go about it. I mean, the whole prison FC, we don't really mention the players here. But I feel, um, I feel like it's a bit similar to United's problem where they've sort of got like, you know, they keep changing the manager. They're not like committed to a project. I think the owners are giving them money, but I don't feel like there's like a clear direction as to where they want to not go. Identity with like how they want to play football or anything like that. But no identity. It looks like they're restarting, like need another rebuild now again. But the thing is, once you've signed all these like quality players, like the thing is they back Rafa by sacking like, the head of recruitment and like a head physio or something. They got rid of Luca Dean for him, who was like probably their probably one of the best left backs in the league, if not the best for the past like two seasons or something. Mm-hmm. And you know they, they've done all this just to give him more power, and now they've sacked him. So it doesn't make sense what Everton are doing. And you know it's sad to see such a you know a big club like Everton going through sort of problems like this. And you hope that they can get it resolved ASAP. But with the way that things are going, it looks like Duncan Ferguson will probably take over for like a couple of games. He normally has that sort of, you know, caretaker manager bounce kind of thing going. And then next thing you know, they'll, you know, bring in somebody permanent and then it'll probably end up, you know, being de- like back in the cycle again. Yeah, exactly. And Amal, you and I went to a game where Duncan Ferguson was the interim uh, yeah. coach when it was Man United versus Everton. And he had a really passionate um, antics on the touchline as well in that game when we drew 1-1 to Everton. So, that, reckon that Duncan... One? Was that the one where Moise Keane came on and came off? Yeah, man. That's when you yeah, just that grew in that guy's confidence and his flow. It was like, oh, yeah, he wasn't injured, but we just needed to waste some time. Like, of all the players, man, the guy that comes on as a sub gets subbed off, just walks down the tunnel. Embarrassing. Um, but yeah, Amma, who do you think that um, this new manager should look to keep? If you had to keep five of these players and we'll think about who they should sell because there's so many people I think they should sell like Sigurdsson and Tosin and yeah. uh, it, it won't be hasn't hit the ground running as well um, but in terms of who you think they should keep from Everton who do you think has actually been a positive light in this Everton side I think Dinier yeah. was one before he left but um, who do you yeah. think looking at this Everton squad there's not really a player I think that kind of like has played to, to stay mm-hmm. like they don't seem to like they just don't seem to be playing for the like the club. They seem to be playing for the fact that they're getting a wage. Um, honestly, I, I can't really think of it. Maybe, no, I can't really think of a player. Possibly uh, Calvert-Lewin for his performances last season. Like He played really well. Mm. Uh, so he's obviously out injured now. Um, it's, it, it's hard to say because I think there's certain players, that, as Sonam said, that they don't have an identity. They don't have a play style. And, you know, it's all well and good spending 40, 50, 60 million on players. But if you buy the wrong type of players, then it's just completely pointless. Yeah, uh, it, it reminds me of Ronald Koeman as well. He started that whole trend of buying Devi Plass and Wayne Rooney, Gilfie Sigurdsson, all attacking midfielders and only one of them getting them to a position. It's the same yeah. thing that continues to do that. Yeah, I just think they... Because the thing is, with them spending 40, 50, 60 million, they must give them quite high wages as well and to offload them it's not just a case of getting someone to pay the initial upfront fee it's the wages on top as well demanded by the players and the agents uh, and all that sort of stuff so it's going to be hopefully they, they do survive relegation this season but it's going to be like a free four year build rebuilding job for them where they slowly sort of clear out the deadwood don't renew contracts for, for the uh, for the older players and honestly I think it would just be a case for 
Everton <clears throat> really just to like damage like they they're already in sort of damage control mode, uh, mode at the moment, but like to bring in some some of the youngsters from the academy from the second team because um, <clears throat> they've played for it, and I'm sure Duncan Ferguson is aware of obviously some of the youngsters coming through. Um, but again, like, do you really want to like essentially bid off your first eleven to bring enough like nearly enough a full set? team of youngsters that that will have the mistake and then that will need a leader on that pitch um, I just I think it's just going to be a, a long tough road for Everton fans unfortunately and they just have to deal with it like, I remember Villa going through the same thing a few years ago before they got relegated as well sure that brings up a bit of sore memories for Salim but you know now they're in a much better place now that it's happened yeah um, sometimes you need to go back to go forward as well and it's, it's quite yeah, sad how it goes because you mentioned yes. you mentioned the younger players as well, and they had a really good game when uh, Rafa Benitez took them to Chelsea, and they drew one one. Uh, mm. They're playing that the, the 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 youngsters, the reserve players as well, because they had no one in the squad because of the COVID cases and whatnot, which is crazy. And you're just there kind of thinking like that wouldn't be the worst of options because you're developing in-house talent. You're getting rid of the deadwood who are not really playing for the team or for the badge as well. And when you're looking at some of these players that I, I've seen, like uh, Decore, Alan. Townsend, Gray, again, just off the top of my head, those are the ones I kind of doing really well. Michael Keane, Yeri Mina, um, Seamus Coleman, John Joe, Ke- uh, John Joe Kenny, they haven't really been turning up this season as well, which has been quite sad to see. Fabian Delph is a waste of money, in my opinion, waste of a waste for purchase. And Jordan Pickford, I think his, again, him and Calvert-Luna, kind of the, and Richarlison, I would say, are the kind of ones that are just there, like probably bigger than this club at the moment. They can move on to bigger things and they'll be absolutely fine, but um, Salim, you were going to say something regarding... Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, um, it's easy to just say, like, oh, you know, we need to keep these players and get rid of, give the kids a chance. But I think there's a genuine chance that Everton get relegated as well. Like, you know, I, I'd say that they are going to be in that relegation battle. And, uh, I mean, for us, like, at the time, we were sort of fighting relegation, like, three or four seasons in a row. And, um, you know, even my dad was saying as well, we can't keep doing this every year. And, you know, I've sort of thought the same thing. Like, you know, we survived one year, we survived the second year, we survived the third year, then the fourth. And then it gets to a point where your luck runs out. And to be honest, it's better to it's better that we did get relegated because we got rid of so much, like, dead weight and stuff that was holding us back in terms of, like, wages and players with, like, poor attitudes. Like, you know, players were, like, in like turning up drunk to like training and stuff like that was it Micah Richards and Alan Hutton at the back they were your, uh, high, they were your high they were your high rollers at the time yeah something but it was more <laughs> the players as well like that were causing problems and stuff and to be honest by, by going down and you know just having a complete reset which the club definitely needed I mean we got a bit lucky with the whole like we, we didn't get a liquidated situation and um, with the new owners coming in and, you know, they've pumped so much money into Villa. Like if you look at the team that we had when we first got promoted as well to the team that we have today, it's built, you know, significantly every year we've invested hundreds of millions of pounds and we are like buying the right people, whereas you can see Everton aren't. So yeah, maybe Everton do need to get relegated and have a complete, you know, refresh and, you know, mm-hmm. bounce back and have another go. Or, or if not, it might be just best to stay in the league and, because I just remember thinking at the time, like, oh, if we get relegated, we, we'll never be able to keep all these players. But in the end, it was better that we didn't keep them and we got rid and we just started all over again. Yeah, I mean, it can't happen like that. It needs to be like, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a bit of time for these things to happen. You can't really rush something like this. But yeah, you know, th- th- that's just that's just football now. Yeah, that's how it is, unfortunately. But with Everton, I think there's a lot more that... Um, 
Right. We, we always we always say this. There have been like a name say in the Premier League since it's begun, but you're never too your name is never as big as it can be for you to be relegated. We've seen that in the past in Newcastle with Aston Villa with Leeds United as well. Um it's all about getting this next appointment in from what I'm thinking. And you've got the likes of Frank Lampard, Wayne Rooney, Roberto Martinez um being linked with the job. Um I think Kovac, the former Bayern Munich manager, is also being linked with the job as well. I wouldn't mind seeing Frank Lampard being being in this um, being yeah. in this position. I'd like to see him in a in another challenging position because he was with that with Derby originally as well, and he got them to the playoffs and obviously lost to Aston Villa um, at the time as well. But I think it would be good to see how Frank Lampard, if he were to go for this, would be a good choice for him to go. Wayne Rooney, I don't want to see him leave Derby. I think Derby. I don't think he will leave Derby because he he's got that sort of character where he sees something through. Mm-hmm sort of like right to the end or as far as he can like take it as much as he can and he's doing a great job considering the points deduction and everything that they've had to like claw everything back and then some to like pretty much be where they are it's an amazing job um, and it's just I don't think he'll leave Derby in the sort of their most like I don't want to say darkest hour but literally the darkest hour because if he if he leaves, that could rock the club so they could just drop massively to like League One and to so forth and just keep going down uh, I, I don't think he'll... If he's going to leave, I think possibly maybe in the summer, but mm-hmm. I don't think he'll leave for another couple of seasons. Yeah, I know. They had that, that point reduction at the beginning of the season and during the season as well. They got out of it there. Uh, again, a couple of points clear of the relegation zone. It's good to see how that goes. But Salim, do you think there's going to be an, um, a new manager that will actually come in and save this Everton side? Do you reckon Duncan Ferguson will have to uh, steady the ship for the time being? I think Dunk will obviously study steady the ship again, a couple of games, and then obviously the the thing is like they've kind of messed up because they should have appointed the man. Because I mean, this was coming a long time. You know, there were so many people that fell out. They should have done it before the window, and then they could have signed people that this new manager wanted. But now it looks like they're going to sign a manager. It's always harder without window to bring his own players in. They're going to sign him after the January window, which is you know, going to be a problem because if he comes in and he deems like certain players not good enough or certain areas where he feels that he will need to improve, like it's, it's just not going to happen now, is it? And they've sort of bought these two fullbacks. I don't know how much they spent on them, but I assume probably 30, 40 million between the two, mm-hmm. who, you know, to play under Rafa or something. You know, they've sacked him after like maybe one game playing for, the, playing for him or something. So, so that's going to raise like question marks in their head now as well. Like, you know, El Ghazi, another one who just joined on loan. So yeah, I just feel like th- there's no like like true vision at the club, and I think they need to get it resolved like ASAP. Yeah, it just the the, tr- the transfer just felt like fan service to me. Um, just literally just following what people were saying online. Yeah, we need another winger. Let's get one. We need another fullback. Boom, let's get one. Mm-hmm. It didn't really work in, in their favour. Hand it to a player, pick position. All right, here's who is even need to sign, but not addressing the core issue. Mm-hmm. I was actually just thinking, like obviously with Ralph going back to United. He could, if he wasn't at United, he could have actually done a really good job at, as Everton to bring them, a, give them an, an identity and slowly transform them into the club that they should be for their name. Yeah, uh, it, would have, it would have worked for a team of like Everton stature and uh, history as well, giving them a proper identity and actually helping them move forward. And I think uh, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, Sam, David Moyes kind of did that when he went back to West Ham and actually got them playing in a certain way with a certain type of player and a certain calibre of player as well which has been brilliant I think you kind of need that you need a proper coaching identity you need a proper playing style as well for your team to follow and appreciate and be able to really understand and get behind as well which is great but 
Um, yeah, time will tell who, who will be the next Everton manager. I'd still like to see Frank Lampard be given a go because I want to see more of him as a manager, but not always as a checkbook manager, as we saw in that second season at Chelsea from going, got them to what, fourth in their top in, their, in his first season, then second season got them ninth, and then he got sacked and Thomas Tuchel came in. I wonder what happened with Thomas Tuchel in his first year as a manager for Chelsea. Um, speaking of Thomas Tuchel, he was missing Edouard Mendy yesterday, who's at the African Cup of Nations. So um, they drew 1-1 with Brighton yesterday. Alexis McAllister is my player to watch out for this week. He's really good. Uh, he assisted the uh, header for Adam Webster as well. So Chelsea drew 1-1 with Brighton. I think the title league, the title race is over, Salem. Amar, what would you think? It's done, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I don't see City dropping points. Um, the, the thing is, Liverpool still somewhat have a chance but again it's too far out of their hands um, and if if by some miracle or something like that anything happens it could literally be a title decider when they come to play, uh, play each other I think it's in March or yeah, in April. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that literally could be the one game that decides who who's taken that crown at the end of the season um, everything is pointing towards C um, I hate to admit it but they are just storming away with it. And they're in like third, fourth gear, and it's like they're literally just like cruising along, but blitzing yeah. everyone in their path, which is which yeah. is sad. It's sad that there's no like title race again this year, but yeah, I'd say it looks pretty much done. I mean, no one's really like giving them a proper like challenge kind of thing. And once, you know, with Man City, once they put five, six wins together, you know, it's just impossible to kind of stop but I think the teams around them haven't done themselves any favours with Chelsea you know drawing like I don't know it was it seven games they've drawn us I don't even know what the number is but I'm just guessing mm-hmm. and you're not really getting enough you know wins as well so yeah it's a shame to see because at the start of the season there was all this talk about three horse race with like other teams like West Ham as well in and, in and around it but yeah. in the end it's just ended up being you know done by January, done by January. Which is the case. Um, but no, I, I was just talking about it because like uh, even with some of the players that have gone off to African Cup of Nations, Mendy's gone to African Cup of Nations, Thomas Partey's come back because Ghana got knocked out um, with a shock result as well. I just wanted to spice things up this weekend, week, weekend, whenever this gets released as well, with the fact that there have been uh, an amazing amount of talent coming from Africa to the Premier League to our shores and actually coming up with some amazing players. So it's back to our little six-a-side game that we like to do. So we're going to start us off with an African Premier League six-a-side um, team, which would be quite good. I like to go first because for once, I haven't actually prepared one. So I'm going to do it on the spot and see how it goes from there as well. Um, we're not going to have a goalkeeper. I'm going to skip to having no goalkeeper because it'll be quite fun. I'd like to start with Colo Torre in defence. I think Colo Torre has been a fantastic defender um, over the last 10, 15 years when he was a Premier League player. He's now a coach at Leicester City, of course, under Brendan Rodgers. So he's part of the Invincible side um, next to Sol Campbell. He won the league with Man City as well. He played for Liverpool under Brendan Rodgers and Roy Hodgson, I believe, as well, which is a, which is a cr- uh, crazy um, career that he had as well. So fair play to Colo Torre from the Ivory Coast. Second of all, I'd like to go for Yaya Torre because Yaya Torre was someone who I hated to enjoy watching if you get what I mean. Like, he was a Man City player, but it's such a fun player to watch. Like, just tearing through defences, tearing through midfields. And Roberto Mancini did something in that first season when they won a title where if it wasn't going well for Yaya Torre or for the team, 
when he was playing as a holding midfielder next to Gareth Barry, he'd play him as the attacking midfielder. And he'd just continue uh, bombing forward when Tevez or Aguero or Jekyll was the other striker as well. And it was really good to see. It was a fun type of play. And I'm kind of glad that Arsene Wenger rejected him from Arsenal because if he was rejected, if he was an Arsenal player, he would have been pretty good uh, under Arsene Wenger in that, in that period of time. But he came from Barcelona, obviously came from the Ivory Coast. He was a Champions League winner, La Liga winner as well. Um, but it was just great to see him in the Premier League. It was sad how he left uh, Man City under Pep Guardiola. But realistically speaking, I feel like he was one of those uh, core Manchester City legends who's done so much for the club and deserves a lot more recognition and respect from Man City um, fans as well, going forward as well. Um, next one I'm going to go for, bit of, bit of a surprise, but I'm going to go for Quinton Fortune, who used to play for Manchester United. He's a left-back, left midfielder from South Africa. Roy Keane said that if he ever did a Man United five-a-side of, of all time, Quinton Fortune would be in it because of how amazing he was as a talent, how well he did as a player and what he left on the pitch. And he actually did that really well in the Premier League and is a, is a, a versatility player that we kind of need. And I'd probably use him in, in my six-a-side as well. Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, um, they're definitely going in there. You can't not have them in there. I don't know who else you would have instead of them in, in terms of the wingers. They're just, just amazing players to watch again. Liverpool players, so they've done really well for their, for their teams over the years as well. And you're just thinking like Mohamed Salah is probably the greatest African player I've ever seen in the Premier League. That could be up to debate, but I'm going to stick with Mohamed Salah because I think he is um, over probably, I would say the second greatest player that we've seen in the Premier League from Africa was Didier Drogba. I think Didier Drogba, you've got, um, you've got added by your as well. You've had a lot of amazing strikers from Africa, but um, Didier Drogba was a match winner. He's a big game player. He's done some, some amazing things, scored some amazing goals um, in the Premier League for Chelsea. And he came back that second time as well. So he's done, he's done really well um, going forward as well uh, in his career. And he's done so much for his country. So he actually stopped a civil war as well in the Ivory Coast once upon a time, which was amazing. And... Um, yeah, shout out to Michael Essien as well. I thought he was an amazing um, player from Ghana as well, uh, centre midfielder, but he was full of injuries, so I'd like to stick with, with my six aside. Amma, who could you add to that or who could you uh, make in your own six aside that you think would be a good shout? So, like, truly, I think you pretty much picked the... I think you kind of could have potentially used Eto'o from his Barcelona days, but again, yeah, he, he, he appeared at Chelsea. He appeared yeah, at Chelsea. Um, but I, I, I would probably say your, your Sixers I team is pretty much exactly what I would choose. Uh, probably not Quinton Fortune, I'll be honest. I'll probably actually have a goalkeeper and just, just Mendy in there. So, so one that he's just been solid, consistent, what you need. Um, but yeah, 100% that front three, Drogba, Salah, Mane up front, and the Colo brothers just midfield and defense is an absolutely disgusting team and if any sort of team now had those players in there those sort of outfield players it would just be a menace to play against yeah and two of them are already playing they're actually menaces <laughs> Salah and Mane ridiculously Salim if you had to do a six side team would it be something similar to that would you put Marvis Takamba in maybe no, um, my, team, my team's a bit different so I've got Mendy in there mm-hmm uh, I think it's been quality, actually. What uh, a signing, right? Um, 15, 20 million from Rennes, I think it was, to replace Kappa. And then um, I went. I had two ideas, but I've gone for the attacking one instead. Hmm. So I've got Gaia Torre sort of at the back. And then I've got a three in front of him of Salah, uh, no, of Mares, Salah and Mane. 
We, oh, I forgot. Then, I forgot about Mares. I can't lie. I chose Salah over Mares to be fair. But yeah, Mares is a quality player. And I've got Drogba up front, but mm. the, the option where instead of Mane, I was going to go for like Essien in midfield as well to have like the double sort of defensive block there. But no, I, I went for a more attacking team. I thought that Mendy and Yaya should be enough at the back. Yeah, no one's getting past Mendy on a six side as well. And uh, Salah and I were playing six side this week, so it's good fun to. To be back in it with with our with our guys in Birmingham, so it's good to see everyone again. But realistically speaking, Didier Drogba on a six side pitch, no one's getting the ball off him at all. Mm. Just ridiculous. Shooting from anywhere, isn't he? Yeah, he could be in goal and just take a shot, and you're just like breaking an arm or something. Just crazy. Uh, such a talented guy, Didier Drogba. And I think outside of the Chelsea fan fans, he doesn't get the, as much plaudits as as he does because of the, the amount of goals he scored compared to the other strikers as well. Um, but realistically speaking, there's so much, uh, so much talent in store from Africa um, coming to the Premier League every season. So even players like um, Salisu from Southampton, I think he's going to be a top player. He could end up moving to a bigger club in the future down the line as well. And it's good to see a lot more coming from uh, coming from Africa as well. And the African Cup of Nations has been great to watch. I've been I've enjoyed watching it and seeing some of these teams getting shock results as well. It's been great to see, and there's so much talent on display um, going forward. Right, we're going to discuss one of the biggest, hottest properties in world football to finish off the podcast today. We're not really going to do a Premier League preview because I know Salah has to go in a bit. So, um, Erling Brandt Haaland. If you had to choose one place for Erling Brandt Haaland to go next summer, because Bruce Dortmund are pestering Erling Haaland on where he should be playing next summer, Bruce Dortmund or his £80 million um, release clause is going to be activated in the summer. Where would he go to and why? For me, I think he'll go to Real Madrid. I think Rino Raiola will take him somewhere where he will be the star man. He'll be the superstar and he'll be the one where uh, 80, 90,000 people will be cheering his name and he'll be trying to get that, that top goal scorer record in La Liga every other season because I think he's mentioned before how much he loves La Liga and he wants to play in Spain. It would be insane to see how Real Madrid, if they could afford him, to get him in, in that Bernabeu wearing that, that white shirt from Real Madrid. Salim, what do you think? Do you reckon Erling Haaland would be going to Spain or do you reckon he'd be looking more um, along the lines of coming to England to play under Pep Guardiola at Man City? Yeah, for me, definitely Man City. I think you can tell that Man City are missing one player and that's, that's you know, quality striker since Aguero's gone. Jesus has sort of self-admitted that he's a winger now as well, so they're playing these like false nines. But I think with the amount of chances they create as well, like, you know, putting him in there, he'll give them like a completely different edge. It was, you know, publicised how badly they wanted Harry Kane and, you know, that didn't really work out. But I think, to be honest, they're probably off, better off putting the money in Haaland. But the problem with Haaland is obviously the agent demanding too much money and he does get a bit greedy as well. Like, as we mentioned the other day, you know, is it is it football or is it just for money now? But no, definitely, if he was to join the Premier League and join Man City, you know, he's still young. He'd, he'd literally win everything. I reckon he'd bring him home that first Champions League. And yeah, he'd probably, you know, probably go on to beat Shearer's record potentially as well. You could see him score like 50 goals a year anyway. But yeah. The service he'd be getting at Manchester City would be second to none. De Bruyne, Cancelo, um, Foden, oh. Grealish, Mares, Sterling, all of that. Bernardo Silva, who's been on form this season. Incredible. Amma, what do you think? Do you reckon they'd be going anywhere else? Do you reckon the Barcelona uh, uh, could be on the cards? I honestly think it's a toss-up between Real Madrid or City. Um, I don't think Barcelona will 
be able to afford him unless they pull out some sort of miracle um, and get the magic checkbook out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think if he goes to City, it's pretty much game over for any other team in the league there. Um, unless some sort of miracle. I just think it's 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 City or Real Madrid. It's, a two. it's the, the famous white jersey in front of the Bernabeu or uh, City wearing that blue. Yes, uh, that I blue. Think, <laughs> yeah, I I personally think I, more likely it's going to be Real Madrid mm. because of sort of Raiola's connections more with Real Madrid uh, than to City. But again, Raiola, like Simon Malouz, is more about how much he can line his pockets as well as making sort of Haaland as like a superstar player. Yeah. If he goes, everyone's going to keep an eye on him and see how he performs. Uh, and he's just a different breed of player. Yeah, because it's not like um, it's not like with Paul Pogba when he gave him the Juventus move to Real, to Man United, and then his like all, every other season is trying to push him out of the club to get another move. We've, we've kind of learned his lesson in a way. Like Mateus Delit was another um, player from Raiola, and he just got him to Juventus. Like now nah, you're done. You don't have to make another move to make more money because you've already done so much because of that 60, 70 million pound uh, payment that uh, Juventus did to Ajax for Mateus Delit as well. And I think. With Erling Brandt Haaland, who has the potential to be one of the greatest players of the next generation coming up as well, and this current generation as well, going to Real Madrid, for me, would be the logical situation because you'd have literally some incredible talents coming through as well. Vinicius as well. Um, there's a likes of there's potential of Mbappe going to Real Madrid and Haaland going to Real Madrid as well. But there's also talks of literally, why, why would you want to go to Real Madrid when you've got one of the greatest managers of all time and of this current generation in the Premier League? with all the money at his disposal to create a team around Haaland as well, to change it in terms of actually developing to actually win a Champions League and to win more Premier Leagues as well. There's a big toss-up there. I don't think Man United will be involved. I don't think Liverpool-Chelsea will be involved. Chelsea had their chance, I think, but they went for Romelu Lukaku and they've spent that 80, 90 million on him as well. Crazy money that's been talked about. Um, But realistically speaking, I think Erling Brandt Haaland will know in the summer where he's going to go. And if he does go and end up going to Real Madrid... I think it'll be one of those things that when you see like a Rio Ferdinand saying, Real Madrid are back, but the contract on the table is going to do it, is going to do it because you, you want to see something more from them as well. And you've got the likes of Vinicius coming through, uh, Rodrigo coming through as well. And Ferdinand Mendy has done really well. Like some of their younger players, and it's a good team to start building around them as well. What do you think? Yeah, they, they sort of need a replacement for uh, Ben Zimmer as well. He's, he's sort of getting up there in the age. He's still an elite striker. Like, uh, he's such a great striker. And I think Haaland could learn a bit from him as well in terms of like the finishing and like what it means to play for Real Madrid because you're not you're not a great player if you're signed for Real Madrid at 18 and been there for 10, 15 years, however long it's been now, mm-hmm. uh, and consistently scoring goals, uh, even with sort of the great Ronaldo in front of you and all the other players that he's played with, Figo, just just the greats at that time. Yeah, because it was like when, when Raul was getting on in age, Benzema came in and Raul kind of showed him the ropes and Raul went to Schalke. Then Benzema became the main man alongside Higuain and Ronaldo and Ozil and Di Maria. And I think that's, that could be the case. If Benzema was to leave, it would be if, if Haaland were to come in. So maybe a season with two of them up top, it could work. Maybe not, but time will tell. Salim, what have you got, up, what have you got for the rest of the weekend? Who asked the Villa playing? Uh, we've got Everton uh, away. We beat them at home 3 0. We've got them away. Hmm. Should be an easy win, right? Nah, Stephen Gerrard going to Merseyside again, but to the blue yeah. side. 
caretaker manager bounce and everything. So if anything, I wanted Rafa to be in the job for one more game, but obviously, he's <laughs> yeah, it's true. But now it will be it will be good to see how Aston Villa play. I think Coutinho should be ready to start as well. Have a full week of training ahead of him, and it will be good to see how it goes. And Man United are playing Brentford tonight as we're recording this, but we've got West Ham at home, uh, 3 p.m. on Saturday, where I don't think we'll do that well. I do like how Ralph Ragnick has changed back to a 4-3-3. It's going to be good to see how we, he can maintain this and actually progress this going forward as well for the rest of the season because that 4-2-2-2 wasn't working. I'm glad he's got rid of that for the time being. But I'm expecting a 1-1 a, a draw, Amma, against West Ham. I don't think we did do that well, I think. Well, West Ham, who lost last week to Leeds United, I think they'll still turn up, but I think we'll draw against West Ham at home. What do you think? Uh, yeah, West Ham will definitely 100% make it a difficult for us, and they are just a dangerous team to just play against. Um, even a game that they lost against Leeds was very, it's a very, very entertaining game to watch anyway, as just as a neutral. Um, so I think they will, they'll be, they'll have confidence from the performance that they've had against Leeds. Uh, and they'll know for a fact that they can come at United and actually do something like it's just it's just going to be a, a difficult game uh, if you don't see them on the podcast you know why um, just impressed <laughs> that United are terrible um, but no it's it's going to be super difficult um, yeah. I, I expect a comfortable win um, only way I can see a win is what, a couple of mistakes and then like an outstanding performance from the hair to again keep us sort of getting that three points but it's 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 going to be a tough tough game yeah I've said this before we should just write up for the rest of the season for Man United maybe the Champions League or FA Cup we could do something but the league we're just we're just not going to do anything of any significance maybe top six I don't think we're going to hit top four unfortunately um, but no just to end this podcast to a, a nicer note as well it's, it's quite good to see everyone back again it's good to see um, the both of us so just one of those things that I wanted to say that um, going going forward as well, there will be more opportunities for us to meet up in the future as well, in, in person as well. So there will be more opportunities to record some content in person. And, and last week we all got to meet up. So the six of us from Friday Night Counter-Attack who, who originally started it, we all met up for the first time since the summer. So it was quite nice to see everyone. So if you are listening and you're not on this week's podcast, it was good to see everyone. Amma, um, we'll be meeting up soon for for dinner. I, I can assure you of that. And hopefully, you're on time this time. Um, when when we say eight o'clock, we don't mean like get here for like nine fifteen. New Year, new am I right? That's what you need to hear. I'll leave three hours beforehand. <laughs> That's what we needed in the first place because <laughs> of the traffic. Um, but no, um, you guys, you know where we are. If we if we want to meet up, we can meet up wherever you need to go. Maybe next week could be an option. Could be an op- I don't mind that at all. Uh, which should be good but no thank you everyone for listening thanks for um, following us and subscribing to our podcast and everything on YouTube has been great so far be, be sure to watch our football highlights from Friday Night Football that's out on YouTube it would be great everyone take care and goodbye <laughs>